Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. We're back with another day of some very, I don't know how to take some of these things. I laugh at most of them because they're worth laughing at. I do have some updates for you for next week. I think this is very important. If this can go off, this was planned before and it didn't go off. And if it goes this time, I think it's exciting. I will cover that. I'm not going to cover an underdog token this weekend. I'm going to save that probably for next week and then kind of get back into that groove. And the reason that I'm less going on the underdog tokens is that predominantly the ones that are coming up now, from my perspective, aren't really worth your time. We're not seeing significant amounts of tokens that show up that qualify in that specter of this is worth looking at, worth your time. From my perspective, it doesn't mean that I won't cover them back at some point next week, as I will, because there are a couple of notable ones. But fortunately, the velocity of the the ones worth the time have slowed down. That makes me happy. So I'm focusing now on news as well as certain tokens that garner more attention, Bitcoin, right? As well as some follow-on tokens from ones I've covered before. Before all of that, though, let's go ahead and get in our news. Probably the biggest news at the top of the hour, Senator Ted Cruz. And if you're not in the United States, of course, we have senators for each state. And the senators, they are part of Congress. And they are, of course, part of the people who govern our laws and regulations, including financial regulations, not to exclude cryptocurrency at some point. What we heard, and fortunately, there are disclosure requirements. So we have to document when they do certain things that could be perceived as a conflict of interest or could be perceived as what's called emoluments type actions, basically meaning that are you being enriched because of your actions as a X, whether it's a senator, a president, a house of representatives, whatever. Turns out Ted Cruz, he saw that dip and he bought the dip and for it, as far as what we can tell, he bought through an exchange or brokerage, as it's called, and about $50,000-ish worth of it. So he bought on the dip, and, of course, he made pretty amount of, pretty good amount of money when it started to climb back up. I wouldn't take too much into this other than to be somewhat celebratory of anybody, and we know there's a lot more out there. They're just not disclosing it. But And I just you heard me just say, well, they're supposed to disclose. The key word is supposed to. We know full well Nancy Pelosi is buying bags. We know that. But the point is, Seeing that certain people in Congress are buying into cryptocurrency because they know what the, they know where the money is and they know where the money's going, and they're probably freaked out about something else. The thing is, he's made a lot of money off cryptocurrency, but then when it dips, he loses a lot of money. Now, what does that mean for the future? I've frequently predicted that there's going to be a blowout in 2022, and we're going to be shifting the Congress around, and we're going to see a lot more people who support cryptocurrency come in because the people in the current administration have been anti-American at large. That's my prediction. I could have it way off, but I am seeing sentiments and polls and surveys. And then, you know, of course the president, come on, man, and doing all sorts of stuff that's anti-American. I predict a blowout. If we get a blowout, Ted Cruz was one who put legislation in place to try to simplify how we oversee cryptocurrency. He didn't outright try to legalize it or do anything else other than some of the recent bill you know, the Biden bill, as I called it, that was passed very back in November. Some of the language was trying to basically damage the whole crypto business. And that was what started, I think, some of the decline in price sentiment because people are starting to get sketchy around what's the United States really going to do here? Are you going to lock it down and do a ban like China and Russia or what's happening? 
And so Cruz put the legislation, tried to put the legislation in place to try to strip out things that we knew were not sustainable, things that we knew we could not support, things that we knew we couldn't enforce and try to get rid of it so that we could basically adopt and embrace cryptocurrency and put smart regulations around it. So he's always been a supporter of it. Texas has said, hey, look, Bitcoin miners, come on in. And then, of course, he said, you know, Texas said, the governor said, Greg Abbott said, hey, well, you know, calm down with that mining during, you know, winter. We don't get it shut down again. And then, of course, Cruz has said, no, we'll just use natural gas, which is not in heavy use to try to, you know, bolster things so that we're not harming Texans because we don't want to harm the citizens, but they do want the Bitcoin miners and they do believe that there's a, an opportunity to be American first, at least in something we've offshored everything else. So at least have something that's on domestic shores. The problem is again, the current administration, when I say administration, by the way, for those not in the U S I'm talking about people who sit in the white house. I'm not talking about members of Congress in total, although there are people in Congress on half the aisle that don't support cryptocurrency. They don't like it. They don't want it. But there, and the people in the White House don't want it, but there are people that are still in Congress today, and I suspect there'll be more of them, who embrace crypto as an opportunity for America first and America to get back to the point of being a leader at something rather than a fast follower and giving money away to other countries. Because if the United States is able to become not a crypto mecca per se, but at least a central point for crypto mining and crypto trading and crypto embracing it at a wide scale, and get away from trying to lock things down. I talked about in previous episodes, there's a huge opportunity to help address concerns with homelessness, poverty, people starving, and people in countries that are less better off than the United States are like, how can there possibly be poverty in the United States? And it's because of corruption and the government angles. So if we have people come in office who understand that there's an opportunity to use it so that we don't have to have people dependent on the system, I think that's a good thing for everybody. Whether we get there, I can't, I don't know if that's really going to be a thing. I want to talk briefly about SHIB, Shiba Inu, which I've talked about intermittently because there's still this frustration coming from the so-called SHIB army around Shiba Inu and its lack of growth and its failure to hit the next price point. And I mentioned in an older episode about the fact that the CEO of Robinhood, because for whatever bizarre reason, there's this outcry to get SHIB on Robinhood, despite the fact you can buy it anywhere else and hold it. I don't understand the Robinhood thing. I, I will never understand the Robinhood thing. Regardless, there's an outcry from some members that are not in the SHIB army that want to be to get SHIBA in you on Robinhood. And I said at the time that the CEO basically passed the buck and said that, you know, it's an SEC thing. We think there's going to be an issue with the SEC about what's going on. At some point that may change, but right now we're, we're nervous to list it because we don't want to have anything flagged. Of course, that's I almost cussed bunk because if you think about it, you've got pretty much every other exchange, literally every other exchange. This is why I don't understand the rush to Robinhood. You can buy SHIB at every other exchange by now. There's no excuse. If you want SHIB, go buy it. It is on Binance US, I'm pretty sure. It's on Binance.com. It's on Coinbase. It's on Webull. It's on uh, Gate.io. It's on KuCoin. It's on Hotbit. It's on LBank. Like, why, what are you waiting? Come on, man. What are you waiting for? Buy it from whatever exchange. Pick one. It doesn't matter which. Pick one. Go to the KYC. It doesn't matter. It's a little bit of a thing. If you ask me, I recommend KuCoin. But the point is, go to the hoops, get it done, get your SHIB, and be happy with it. Stop focusing on Robinhood. They're not, 
if they do list it, it's going to be too late. And there's no point by the time they do list it, if they do list it. I'm saying to you, I want you to have your shiv. Clearly, you want the shiv. Apparently, they put a petition on change.org to get Robin Hood on this thing, and they're getting close to a million signatures. A million people. Let me put this. A million freaking people are allegedly, apparently. Now, it's possible they may have bought it, and they just want it to be in Robin Hood because that's where the rest of their stock is or whatever else. Or maybe they want to do a Rob Peter to pay Paul with their GameStop or something. But the point is, it's like, dude, come on, man. Just get your SHIB on whatever exchange and sit on it and then wait. And then maybe later they'll get a freaking set of stones. I don't want to cuss. A set of stones underneath them and they'll list the SHIB and then you can move it over there if you really want to. The point is there's no reason not to buy it if you really want it now. Because if they do list it, by the time they list it, nothing will have significantly changed, I argue. And that's assuming they're going to list it and they don't seem inclined to list it despite the fact that I'm pretty sure they listed Doge. Well, what does that tell you? That tells you that they want the more fundamental crypto. They want the crypto that fundamentally behaves like regular fiat. They don't want those so-called altcoins that the other ones have eventually embraced. Remember, it took a long time for Coinbase to embrace SHIB. When it finally embraced SHIB, it was jacked up and people lost a lot of money. Now it's pretty smooth sailing. But at the time, it was a pain for them to implement that for whatever reason. Maybe Robinhood can't support excessive amounts of zeros. I, I, Maybe because they don't have a lot of penny stocks either. My point to you folks is if you want SHIB, and I'm serious, if you want SHIB, just buy it. It's all over the place. Almost cussed. Screw Robinhood. Ignore them. It's not that big of a deal. There's no problem. You can have multiple exchanges. Go somewhere else and get your SHIB. If it's what you want, get your SHIB wherever you want to do it. I don't see that he's going to let go anytime in the near future. Could I be wrong? Sure. Probability? Less than 10% because he's adamant that he's, he's afraid. He's basically a coward. He's afraid of the SEC. Okay, since he's afraid of the SEC, which is a U.S. thing, it's affecting people worldwide. Okay, I'm telling my worldwide listeners, if you want your ship, get it from somewhere else and say, screw Robin Hood. Later when they get it, you can decide whether to move it back over there if you want to do it. The IRS, they're asking for Congress for tighter crypto disclosure. Now, I want to clarify, the IRS, for anybody who's not in the United States, is basically the go-to anytime we have to pay back money that they de determine that we must pay back based on money that we made, however we made it, whether it's stock, whether it's salary, it doesn't matter. They have a determination calculation that says you are required to pay back X, we are required to pay back X then we have to justify why X should be a lower amount of money. And there's a whole process and a bunch of forms and it's data they already know. But the point is, yes, this is what we have to do and we have to make this work and we have to figure out now with cryptocurrency, how do we get more disclosure to understand the crypto transactions? In an older episode, I talked about one of the, the stipulations in the Biden bill was to basically say any transaction over like a few hundred dollars need to report it to the IRS. There was an initial one that said, we want to know every single transaction. Today, for non-cryptocurrency, there's a requirement for people to do $10,000 or greater, but it applies to the fiat side. So if I were to, let's say, pay you, I'm an employer and I pay you as salary, a one-time bonus of $15,000, that's going to get reported through tax only. So they, they know and it's all good. 
But let's say if I give you a grant, I'm the same business and I'm going to give you a grant. I send you the $10,000. There's a different form for that to report that I gave you grant money that is considered taxable or reported reportable as taxable. If I go into a branch, there's a different requirement for them if they want to hand you $10,000 or greater. So ultimately, the, the, the threshold is the same or similar in that they're looking for larger transactions on the fiat side, but the reporting requirements are all different. There's not one form. There's multiple different forms, at least 50 different forms I can think of off the top of my head based on the nature of the sender, nature of the receiver, the amount of money, where it's going, et cetera, et cetera. So now they're trying to add yet another layer of nonsense around cryptocurrency to be able to identify when these large transactions happen. This would basically go to the exchanges. This would go to your Coinbase of the world or KuCoin of the world to make sure that we can identify all of these different large transactions. Now, the problem is that the exchanges, not all of them are consistent with KYC. I can point to CoinTiger right now. They don't ask for anything. You can set up and you can do basic trades up to like 20 something thousand dollars and they don't ask up front. What they do is today is they'll say, let's do the KYC just to get it done. So let's say Hotbit. They'll do the KYC just to get it done, have all the documents and data, same with Coinbase. And then once the reporting comes out every year, they'll send you a file or make it available for you to download to do your own taxes. So they're putting an onus on you. Some of them do report up to the IRS and some of them do not. If it's a company that is functionally formed in the United States, let's say, they'll do reporting up to the IRS because they have to because they're a formed business and they have to account for their tax when they file. And in those, they're going to call out that we spent this much money on this and da 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 but it's not down to the individual. So that's where it gets kind of sticky. How are you able to report the compensation to an individual? And that gets really hard for the exchanges to manage because they never had the framework to do it. Banks always had that framework. So this is going to be something interesting to watch. What they really want to do is they want to create a new type of a report and they want to basically document any, any customer that's an established customer versus a non-established customer. Well, now you're adding a layer of complexity. In their mind, an established customer is basically one that you had a long-term relationship. It's just like the banks. You had a long-term relationship with them. They have had no issue of fraud. They had no issue with declined transactions. That's, there's all these criteria that it's basically making it like a bank. They want to treat the exchange like a bank. Doing that means, I would argue, half the exchanges today will cut down the U.S. And they'll say, nope, we're not doing it. Screw that. You'll be left with Coinbase probably Weeble, Crypto.com, and a certain select other ones who suck and basically don't let you trade the vast majority of cryptos that are out there, and it's only the finite set of types of cryptocurrencies that nobody can make any money on. And then now you basically have pushed everything similar to the banking and the stock market because all you're trying to do, and I understand the IRS's stance, they want to try to find this money. To me, personal opinion the better solution is to simply have the exchange document any transaction and their threshold are too low, $3,000, $10,000, screw that. No, it's a waste of taxpayer money. I would say anytime you have a transaction that exceeds $100,000 over a span of time. So rather than transaction, we say over a span of time, you spent 100000 or more or you received 100000 or more. We want to know about that person then we will go after that person individually, not the exchange. We just want you to tell us. So let's say in 2022, 
let's say you make it big, you get a crypto 10X, right? And you make $150,000. As long as you leave that $150,000 in there, IRS leaves you alone. You cash out 50,000, IRS leaves you alone. The moment you go and say, I want $101,000 or $100,000 one penny, triggers an alert. That exchange says, okay, this person now, I want to document who they are, their social security number in U.S., and I'm going to report that to the IRS. This person had a transaction that now has hit your threshold or greater. IRS says, duly noted, you don't have to report it again because for this calendar year, we know that person is now somebody of interest. IRS sends them a notice, says, we understood that you got a certain amount or greater from this cryptocurrency transaction or set of transactions. Congratulations. When you file your taxes, you better make sure you account for all of it. When the tax form comes in and the IRS doesn't disclose the exact amount, they just said this amount or greater, right? When the tax form comes in, that person, when they file, they better account for that number or greater or the IRS doesn't audit. Simple. You're like, well, what happens if they lie about the amount? I wouldn't worry about it. Here's why. You're going to have people that might have cashed out a thing and then that created a hundred, let's say $150,000. They cashed out. Cool. You're going to have situations where things happen. A bill comes up, your kid gets ill, they get injured, something. And so you had to spend on that. When you do that, that is considered a deductible expense depending on the nature of the expense. Let's say that you take some profit and you invest back into something else. You didn't, you realized the gain, sure, but now when you invest in it back in something else, to me now you're double dipping if you try to tax that person. So some people might try to game the system this way as to take profit and then invest back in it. However, if you are not directly enriched, meaning you don't have money in your pocket or in your bank account, then what is the IRS going to take? I'm saying that we should encourage people to invest the money back in the system. We should be supportive of people who have to bills to pay and allow deductions for that. And as long as they can justify that, yes, we had these bills, here's a copy of that bill, or yes, I invested back in it, here's a copy of that investment transaction, I think the IRS says, that's cool, no problem, long as you didn't get individually enriched and you didn't send it to somebody else's bank account, long as it's not in a bank account, we're going to leave you alone. That's what I want to see. I don't think I will, but that's what they're talking about right now to try to get their heads wrapped around where's all this freaking money so that they can get a slice of it, that's all it is. And now Congress, I talked about earlier, Congress has finally got a set of stones and they've introduced the bill. And this came mostly from the House of Representatives. And it, to be fair, this bill, I think, is, is not over. It's not overkill. It's not like the, the you know, totalitarian approach from the White House. Let me just kind of summarize what it seems like they're trying to do in this one. It seems like what they're trying to do is they're trying to simplify what your obligations are with respect to capital gains. Everything cryptocurrency, when you realize a gain, it is considered a capital gain. When you take profit from a thing, and when I'm talking, I'm talking literally take profit, it is considered a realized gain, and you do have to account for this on the tax form. Today, and I haven't filed you know, 2021's taxes yet, but I remember what 2020's was. It basically asks you, did you transact crypto at that time? My answer was no. This time, it's going to be yes. Fortunately, I didn't have a significant, in fact, I don't think I had any, yeah, I didn't have a significant gain this year. So fortunately, I'll be able to say, yeah, I did, but I didn't make jack nothing in, you know, overall of what I realized it was low because I purposely was investing into different things and I didn't do much realized 
gain. Only realized gain would have been small expenses swiping the card that I have that spends the crypto. And that amount is way, like if I look at the losses, it's not even close. So I'm cool and clean. But for a lot of people, there could be a lot of complexity with trying to just file the taxes, trying to figure out, okay, geez, what do I tell them? What do I account for? Because remember, you don't have receipts unless you use the, you know, the card or something else. If you just withdrew the money and then you went on a spending spree, maybe you kept every single receipt, but maybe you didn't. So when you go to file your taxes, now how do you tell the IRS, yes, I had a realized gain of X, but then I had these deductible expenses of Y. Most of the bigger players, your, your celebrities or your lawyers, whatever, they have people who are good at being able to identify these different things, these deductions and everything else, so that they'll tell you, make sure you keep these receipts, make sure you only spend like this. If you're going to do withdrawal, put it over here so that we can account for it, da, 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 da. Or they'll have a personal assistant whose job is to document all the different spend. So, but your regular person, like those likely listen to the podcast, don't have such a person. So you're thinking, well, how do I account for all this stuff? And the truth is, you just have to know, I have to centralize my spend. And this is my education point for you. If you're going to get into crypto and start taking gains from it, you want to centralize your spend. What do I mean by this? What I normally would recommend, what I've done, I'll tell you what I've done and tell you what I recommend. What I've done is I've said, every time I'm going to realize a gain from cryptocurrency, it's coming out of Coinbase. Why? Because Coinbase gives you a nice clean report come tax time that tells you every single time that you realized a gain, whether it was you cashed out to the dollar, and that's my fiat, or... I used the card and I swiped it at a store and it gives you line items about what you spent on. And then it gives you your losses, your realized losses within what you held. So now I can just take that document, go to the tax. If I'm doing it myself, go to the tax software, fill it all in and I'm done. But for some people, they're, they're, the way that they're realizing gains is kind of scattered. And so what I recommend, if you're listening to this and you're considering taxes, whether it's US or not, and whether the timing is there or not, what I would recommend is to centralize your spend. Figure out if there's a service, whether it's crypto.com that has one, um, Coinbase has one, Robinhood has one, and there's another one, uh, Bitfinex, I think is the other one. There's a number of these services, what they do, and Webull, I think, has one now, where they'll give you a debit card, and you can spend your crypto using the card. Of course, that's not going to work for your super large expenses like Win Lambo, but for your regular things that you spend on where you're spending against the cryptocurrency, you can use that card and it's going to document all your transactions for you. What your obligation is, is to make sure that whenever you need to do that kind of transaction, you get those cryptos into whatever exchange. This is why I say to always have multiple exchanges on deck because it could be that your primary exchange doesn't support the cryptos that you now want to cash out. So you might want to find if that crypto is on an exchange or other. You might want to try to find one that offers you that debit card if it's available in your country and use that as your spend and then let that software, that exchange, track the stuff for you so you don't have to do it. You can do it, sure. Get QuickBooks or some other software to do it manually, but trust me, it starts to get real old real fast when you're trying to keep up with these incremental transactions. I'm talking, because remember, you got to go through intricate detail because everything is deductible separate from other things. It's not just the transaction but also the tax that you might've had to pay. Did you get a refund on something? You got to account for that. Was there an adjustment? You got to account for that. Was there a hold? You got to account for that. There's all these things that you got to think of. If you're cool doing it, maybe you have an accountant's degree, by all means. 
I'm saying to me, I would just centralize everything into something. So centralization might be, let's say that debit card, one of those services can't offer you a debit card because of your country or your situation. It's not hard to get approved. You just have to go through KYC. But let's say it's not an option for you. Another option would be if you're in a wallet. So let's say you're in a trust wallet or MetaMask or Tama wallet or whatever. In your wallet, when you need to transact, you would basically convert your crypto into one of the stable coins. Whichever stablecoin makes sense for your fiat. So it might be USDC, it might be USDT, it might be DAI, it might be BUSD. Whatever stablecoin makes sense for your local fiat. Once you get into the stablecoin, you now have more options with the exchanges. You can send it pretty much anywhere because all the exchanges support pretty much all the stablecoins at this point. At that, you can then convert the stablecoin because now it's equivalent to your fiat amount and you can convert it to your fiat and cash it out. Basically a sell. And all of them support that. So if you're not able to do it off the card swipe, you can at least cash out to the exchange using the stablecoin. You're going to lose some of the transactional ability, but you can cheat it a little bit. But you have to be a little bit more studious than what I'm suggesting. You have to basically condition yourself to only cash out per transaction. So let's say I'm going to buy a new computer and the computer is $700. You would cash out $700 worth of stablecoin that comes to your account. You would buy the computer. You would document the receipt for the computer. And that's all you need to know is the computer's receipt because that'll tell you everything you needed to know. At the summary, call to action is if you have the kind of consideration for taxation around crypto that we do in the United States or you're in the United States yourself, what I would recommend is you learn how to centralize your spend into an exchange and that's why i like exchanges more than wallets because they'll help you in the data that you need in order to file the taxes clean and stay above the above the rim as it was bitcoin of course is on a mild up trend it's it's over the forty thousand mark which is always good we always want to see that it's kind of on a path of recovery and i'm not going to be a naysayer i'm not going to tell you to freak out or be skeptical or any of that kind of stuff i will tell you to be cautiously optimistic and the reason i'm saying that is because while it is on an uptrend and people have been buying the dips and everything looks good, we still have to be a little bit nervous because we're not yet at full tax season yet. Tax season for the United States starts in April. There's a lot of things that people I don't think realize about this. Two points. One, there is a child tax credit that was executed last year by the Biden administration. The child tax credit essentially was an advance on people's refunds and if those people didn't read between the lines, they could end up owing money come tax time or not getting a refund at all, and then they're in the red. Because of this, there's a possibility, I only stress word possibility, that we do see some more sells as we get closer to, say, April and early May time frame. Once people have filed their taxes, and possibly March, late March, once people start filing taxes and they realize, oh, crap, I actually owe money, okay, now we're going to get that money from because we still got to pay bills. We still got to do this here. There may be some sell pressure. I don't think it's going to be strong sell pressure, but I do anticipate there may be some sell pressure because of this child tax credit that sounded good, but the truth is it was in advance. It wasn't free money, and people thought it was free money. That's one. Two, business tax filings. 2021 was a very difficult year for pretty much every business, including my own. It was a very difficult year. I mean, I, I was working with the freaking government way back in 2020 because of the pandemic in April when it, when it initially started to shut stuff down and we had all this issue. April 2020, 
They just now came back to me yesterday, I kid you not, saying, okay, let's talk and let's see how we can get you help. So just to put it in perspective, and I'm a small business with very low risk to the government or anybody else. I don't have a lot of debt. In fact, I don't have any debt on that business. I don't have anything. So it's like, if it takes me that long to do it and I'm a small business that doesn't have a lot of complexity, I can only imagine the larger businesses that are not me where they, they're big, but they, have, they, they were hurt by the pandemic. So I suspect there's going to be some of those potentially. Remember I mentioned on an episode that we saw that some businesses like GameStop are buying into some of these tokens as well. And it's kind of a Rob Peter to pay Paul because they're using it to prop up their stocks and everything else. So there's a possibility we could see some sell pressure when they go to file their corporate taxes and then fiscal, fiscal starts shifting. So some of their fiscals usually around Q1 as they start evaluating what money they need and what money they have, we could see some corporate sell pressure. That sell pressure is going to be larger than the individual sell pressure. If it's true that a lot of companies are buying tokens and using it to basically prop up their stocks. I hope not, but GameStop and IMX told me that they are doing it. So we'll have to play that by the ear and see what happens there. The last bit of news that I will cover today I talked about NFTs and I said they're not going away. I know some people call them a fad. I think they're not going away. I think that some of them are being misused, but I think they're they're changing form. And unfortunately, what we are seeing is that there's a rise of, I don't want to say adult because they are kind of adult, but kind of not. But there's a rise of NFTs that are exploiting, I'll call it what it is, exploiting what we used to do in OnlyFans, when OnlyFans was a thing, because apparently it's no longer a thing. People still do it, but it's nowhere near what it was. And what used to be an accident, you know, my phone was hacked and this was stolen. Deep, deep, deep. Now that now we've come full circle where we are embracing this and we are pushing this forward. There is a girl named Irene Zhao, and she is, I think, from Singapore. And she was on Instagram as an Instagram model. She doesn't do adult as far as I could tell. But she does modeling in somewhat seductive clothes. And there are people that find her attractive. I don't find her unattractive, but there are people that find her attractive. And she gained this big following on Instagram. But then she decided to get into NFTs. And then what she did, and I, I talked about this before, she basically has her, you know, her skimpy gear. And then she's holding up a sign that says some sort of a meme excuse that's like stupid. This is a big thing in like Japan too. Um, with the, uh, it's just a big thing. So, okay. Now she releases these NFTs with these stupid signs and all this stuff. And it goes crazy. She's getting major amounts of money just with people who are buying what is essentially a photo of her in skimpy clothes saying, holding up a sign with stupid slogans. So now these are simps. I'm sorry. People who buy that are simps. They truly are simps. Simp, of course, means that you're just basically you all you see is the the woman that you're attracted with and then you go after it or it could be because you never have a female simp some but you don't so now this whole thing goes crazy she's making all this kind of money all this kind of stuff she builds up the forum she builds up the community and she turns it into a thing she created a DAO, and they call it the simpsons now i don't criticize her on the name and the creativity of the name but a DAO really for you putting photos of yourself wearing skimpy crap and saying statements. This is why I say that I don't think NFTs will go away. 
Because you got to think about it, folks. If you are able to convince simps, and that's really what they are, if you're able to convince simps to spend money on pictures of a girl holding a sign, that's literally what we're talking about here. And then you're convinced to buy into a DAO, and you're convinced that you are truly an investor in something. And yes, there's a business because she's making money. But if you're really into this, that means the NFT can't go away because a fool and his money are soon parted because that's what I see here. I don't knock her hustle. I completely don't knock her hustle. If she's able to convince stupid people to do it, please do what you got to do. Make that money. Go on the hustle. She's not doing porn. Far as I can see, I didn't go deep. That's fine, but I, I'm disappointed in society for going this extreme over a, a person holding a sign. Like, I, I don't, at some point, it starts to get ridiculous, and here's my thought on it. When you get to this level of, of stupidity, this is what I think will eventually not kill off, but cause a, a decrease in the appeal of NFTs. Because somebody's going to come along and they're going to figure out a better way to do what she did. And again, I don't find her unattractive, but she's certainly not the type I would consider that stands out that, okay, that's a thing, you know, but somebody's going to come along and they're going to figure out something that blows us out of the water and then she'll be gone, dust in the wind. And that's, that's sad because again, NFTs has potential and had potential for what it was when it initially started. And now we've come total full circle, totally away from, I think, what we should be focusing on with the NFT market. I do like at least the concept of NFTs that are tied to art. I'm talking true art, right? Could you imagine if Bob Ross's whole art line was released as NFTs? That's, I think, a good use of NFTs, from my opinion. Let's say that you do NFTs around photography that is original photography. I'm not talking about the digital photography. I'm talking about physical photography that we used to have, um, you know, NFTs around things that are truly tangible in nature. I'm actually not a fan of the Dolce & Gabbana crap, but there's a case to be made for tying NFTs to clothing. There's some case there. Real estate, you know, kind of mixed, but apparently it's a thing. I don't mind that if we can get rid of things like deeds and that kind of garbage. Sure, I'm all bored. But a picture of a girl wearing skimpy clothes, holding up a sign, and you just... Mm, Anyhow, it's not for me, brother, and I'm not going to go there. So whatever it is, is whatever it is. Okay, so let's circle back on some other tokens and do some updates. First, ETH fan token. Hercules, Hercules on them because today, despite me arguing with them back and forth, they actually did do a Twitter space to talk about the migration. This is what I want to see. I want to see that you're doing these things. It looks like they may be in a different time zone. I understand that. I know it's hard for them, but I appreciate that they're at least trying <laughs> to be more inclusive of their audience and consider doing that because it was a big thing for me. And I know it shouldn't have been a big thing, but I think more tokens will get more respect when you do that kind of stuff instead of go telegram deep, deep, deep. So kudos to them for doing that. I think that's awesome. Uh, I have nothing but thumbs up for that one. Dior token is doing great stuff. They're on the move. And so is Angie. And I want to call out Angie eco. I've not talked to them or about them in a while, and I will do a circle back episode because now's the time. They're doing more AMAs. They're doing more advertisement. They're more active on Twitter. They're doing Twitter spaces. The CEO and founder is openly speaking. They're doing true AMAs. Kudos to Angie Eco for working. They've had a hard time of it as well during this pandemic. So I'm going to give them props. 
Dior gets props. ETH Fan Token gets props. Libero Financial, you know, the one I keep getting beat up over. I just want to put it in clear perspective. Libero Financial, of course, like I said, I don't have the bag that I once had because I sold for profit like everybody should do. But Libero Financial has had a little bit of a stick point. It started to go somewhat down. It's still up way up from where it was. I want to say it's like a thousand up from where it was. It was a nuts amount of growth. But it's it started to have some dips a little bit. The volume's still up there, though. So people are still interested in the thing. It's just that it's starting to have a little bit of shift to the negative. And that's actually healthy. It's healthy that we start seeing some reasonable sales, people selling for profit. Like it's nobody dumping. People are clearly selling for profit. That usually indicates healthy behavior. And of course, you get reflections on liberal. So if you're on the upper end, like say you put in, I don't know, $100, $200 into this thing, you're getting some pretty good reflections off these sales. And then when it goes back up, then of course, when they do the rebase, everything goes back green again. And it's been following that pattern. So far, it has performed the way that they said it would do. And that's what I'm watching them with anticipation. Are you guys able to get this thing to a penny or more? Because if you're able to pull that off, that's tremendous considering how hard it is, especially the market that we're in right now. And then, of course, Green Chart. Green Chart has done a rebrand. They totally rebranded. They put shades on the guy. I don't agree with the shades because I do think that the angry green arrow was more appealing, but it's their project. I'm not telling them what to do. But it's had the hard time during the down point. It went into the red, and I called out, you know, it seems like more red, red chart than green chart, but it's back in the green now. That one has some burn mechanics and things and buyback and liquidify that are designed to try to help keep it green. But because of the sell pressure, there was a lot of sell pressure on it. It was hard for it to do that. Its volume is actually down, but it is able to recover back in the green. Kudos to them for that. No shit, which I covered before. It's been pretty consistently green. It had a couple of dips, but it's been pretty good overall. Have had no concerns on that one. Parabolic has been in green the vast majority of the time. They've not launched the game as far as I can tell. The game is the reason they're waiting and the reason I didn't see any price movement. They want the game to actually come out to have a tangible product. I celebrate them on this. Meanwhile, I watch the price movement and just see as people buy in. And it does seem like it's getting attention. Some people are stumbling across it. The volume's at an all-time low, which isn't a bad thing, but it is something to be aware of. And then the last one I'm going to cover is Crypto to Card. Crypto to Card, I'll cover today. Crypto to Card. It launched strong. It launched really freaking strong. And then for whatever reason, it started to taper off. And I'm not really sure why, because their product seems solid, but it didn't seem like it was able to go any further than where it started because the price movement just completely tapered. So it's either a lack of awareness, perhaps, or marketing or something else. It didn't, it's not going backward. It's just not really going anywhere. This may be simply a symptom of the way that they launched in the timing because they launched right in the middle of Bitcoin starting to go down. And it may simply be just their launch timing just sucked and it's not their fault. It just is what it is. I'm not sure. I'm going to, at some future point, circle back on para Inu because para Inu has made some missteps. They did course correct. They did fix some of those issues, but they made some missteps and those missteps I believe had lent to them right now they're in kind of a stale state as well. Their volume is not moving the way I think it should move. And I attribute that directly to a lack of advertisement. They have communicated with people on social media. They have done AMAs and they appear to have best of intentions. So I'm still bullish on para Inu. I don't plan to sell para Inu. I just said, I'm not going to buy any more para Inu. 
as long as they're chasing Schiller's. That's all I said. And then I got chewed out and eventually banned from the, from the uh, Telegram. So I don't, I'm not going to buy any more into it, but I'm not going to sell what I have because I'm bullish about the project. It's very similar. What I will do is I will reach out on Twitter because that's where I'm going to go, and I'm going to give them a chance to unlock that deal. Kishimoto's Reddit admin did say that they would try to get me unblocked because they, you know, the reason that they couldn't see why I was blocked, but apparently it was a back and forth about me telling them, you know, that they misled their, their people and they're not on the same page, which is both true. So Kishimoto's going to try to get unblocked. If that happens, great, because I'd like to keep updates because I am bullish about Kishimoto, but I also said that I'm not going to buy into them either because of the way that they did what they did. And hopefully I can get back into para Inu so I can talk to them and say, hey, here's what this is, and we can move forward because I do. It, it doesn't make sense for me to block from projects that I'm bullish on. It makes no sense. I want to wrap this up you know, with a little bit of feedback for you guys. Cryptocurrency is going to get harder before it gets easier, by which I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of problems in the future around cryptocurrency, not just trying to buy in, but also selling it, transacting it, trading it, just everything. I think that we have to, we have to work harder than we used to. I think that there's a lot of, a lot of cryptos in the, in the business now, and it makes that harder to delineate which ones are legit and not, but also which ones are going to sustain profit. I think marketing is harder for many of them. I think the scrutiny of various governments around marketing has made some of them gun shy. I think a lot more spinning up that don't know what the heck they're doing, to be, to be candid with you. But I do think that there's good people. It's just that the good people, the voices of the good people, they're, they're being suppressed. So I want to figure out uh, together, I want to figure out how we move forward as a, as a group, right? How do we get to the point where we are collectively benefiting from crypto instead of being harmed by crypto? I'm not even talking scams. I'm also talking about where we see that cryptocurrency isn't behaving like we expect. Cryptocurrencies that are banning from Telegram without any real deal. How do we get to the point where we can move forward? And, you know, not just safely, but beneficially. We, we benefit from crypto. I don't have an answer. I'm saying to you that that's an active mission for me to try to investigate and figure out what that answer is so I can share it with you. And then you can look and make your own decision. I'll wrap up with one spoiler. I'll say spoiler. I'm not going to give a name. I have a guest. He is on schedule to chat with me on Monday. And it'll be Monday crack of dawn morning. I don't like that, but he's in a completely different time zone. He's like nine hours behind or something like this. So I'm excited to talk to this person. This person has been in and around Bitcoin, but also the larger cryptocurrency for a long time. He is somewhat of a celebrity in cryptocurrency. If I put the, the, the audio up on Twitter as I will, it'll be part of the regular episode. I think people will recognize him by name. And if they don't, I'll make sure that I share his story and his background so that you can do research to understand him. Because I want to make sure that the guests that I'm giving you are they're speaking the story and they're sharing the same story, but also lessons, lessons from people that have been in it longer than even I have. And the goal with all this is to put more voices to it, but collectively learn. We should learn together and continue the journey together. That's all I got for you today. Feel free to dial in tomorrow. I will have some more updates. And then again, Monday, I'll have hopefully the guest, everything goes smooth and I'll have the guest on the show. I've got everything set up, ready to go. 
I'm excited to have him if he's able to show and talk to him. And I think you're going to enjoy that episode probably more than any other. <laughs>